The early signing period is here. Josh, how do you feel about the Oklahoma Sooners 2023 recruiting class? We'll figure that out. But we're also going to talk wide receivers and why Oklahoma keeps missing out on some Tulsa guys. And what's up with Dylan Gabriel and Marvin Mims? No decision? A decision coming? We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube, so go hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Sooners over at Soonerswire.com. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref and Norman. Josh, we made it to the first kind of major milestone i guess you could say for the 2023 recruiting cycle early signing period and it's a a great class for oklahoma keep in mind as we are taping here as we're sharing some of these thoughts with you no the decision for peyton bowen flipping willie flip won't he flip hasn't been officially made just yet and similarly to silly akana right we don't have the total answer there so Let's just talk about what we do know about the 2023 class as currently comprised. John, top 10 class nationally, which for a program that is has struggled through, a 6-6 six and six could finish 6-7, six and seven, could be as great as a 7-6 and six season. It's, I don't want to say it's a miracle for a program like Oklahoma, right? Because probably you should always be recruiting top 10 classes at OU. But man, it, it would have been... It wouldn't have been shocking this year if having gone through this six and six season, if this class wasn't potentially knocking on the door of a top five national class, if it wasn't locked in as a top 10 class nationally. So I think just big picture view starting there, a great job in the first full recruiting cycle for Brent Venables, for his collective staff, John, across the board, you start with the quarterback with Jackson Arnold, of course, it uh, in college football, a lot of times sort of begins and ends with that position and in football in general, right? Uh, the teams that generally speaking are winning national championships and Super Bowls, generally speaking, they get pretty amazing quarterback play. And Oklahoma, we think, has uh, somebody that is going to be an NFL sooner of the future. And Oklahoma's potential next Heisman winner in Jackson Arnold, that type of caliber quarterback, right? At least in the conversation for those sorts of national awards. So it starts there. Then you start thinking about some of the defensive players up front. I'm really excited about PJ Atabare. That's someone that, uh, as we navigated our way through this cycle, John, started out a little bit just outside that fringe five-star status, and then all of a sudden, boom, uh, did find himself with that fifth and final five-star status for Oklahoma. It goes on and on and on. LeBlanc, that's somebody defensively to be excited about. I think along the – the offensive line up front, Caden Green to me is somebody that could be if like if you asked me, who do you feel best about being an NFL player out of this signing class right now today? I mean, 
it's obvious to look at the five-star guys and say, okay, well, that's – I'm going with Adabare, I'm going with Arnold. But I think Caden Green's got a chance to be really, really special at the University of Oklahoma, John. So skill guys, there's, of course, skill guys with Smothers, with Hicks, with uh, with Brown, and uh, with Petaway. So it's just, to me, top to bottom, a very, very well-rounded class, which, you know, even the great classes in years past for Oklahoma – weren't necessarily well-rounded like this one. So big picture, that's probably a lot of words to say, man, this is a day that you as Sooner fans, maybe we've done this song and dance before with previous signing classes, and that's just par for the course at Oklahoma. But, man, this is a heck of a signing class that OU's bringing in. It is. Just on the surface right now, you talked about being well-rounded. I know we talked about it like last week. It was like seven of their top nine were defensive players. Well, with the 247 Sports update, it was six of their top 10 are defensive players. You saw four players in your top 10 as a recruiting class that are coming from the offensive side of the ball in Jackson Arnold and Jaquez Petaway and Caden Green and Dalen Smothers. Like You've got really good players coming to Oklahoma that are going to be game-changing players for you. But it's as you mentioned, like I, th- I feel like they hit pretty much every position group in there in the guys that are four and five star players, right? Get your five star quarterback. You got four star wide receivers. You got a four star running back. You got a four star offensive lineman. You got a couple four star offensive linemen, including Josh Bates, who's a two four seven sports composite four star uh, in going along with Caden Green. You've got four star defensive backs. You got four star linebackers. You got four star defensive linemen like everywhere you've got at least one blue chip player that you're adding to your roster that has a four or five star like that's huge for you like to be able to add that kind of talent and then add guys like the some of the three-star players that they have that were probably a little under recruited uh, through the first part of their senior year started to come on strong october november i'm thinking of ashton sanders i'm thinking of taylor wayne in particular guys that didn't I mean, Ashton Sanders had a couple power five offers. He was being heavily recruited and at one point was committed to Cal decommitted to Cal. Wisconsin was really in hot pursuit of him. And then you look at um, Taylor Wayne, like he didn't really start getting power five offers until November. And then he got a slew of them from Virginia tech, from USC, from Oklahoma. And so some of those guys, like they might be really, really good players, that three-star status might not be truly indicative of the type of player that they are. And Eric McCarty, right, playing for McAllister, not a, a nationally known program uh, across the country, not a place that you're seeing a lot of top-tier talent come from. And so sometimes people just kind of fly under the radar a little bit. Now, this is a guy that's been committed to Oklahoma for a long time now, but you look at the star status and it's easy to kind of deceive yourself a little bit into thinking, okay, they're, they might not be as good as the four or five stars, but we've seen plenty of times three stars come in and be game breakers, game changers for the Oklahoma Sooners. And I think they have a group of three stars that are, are probably going to be very important cogs for this Oklahoma Sooners team in the years to come. And another guy, Heath Ozida, like I was writing up, you know, just kind of pre-writing some stuff, just, you know, thinking about this class, getting ready for, you know, signing early signing period coverage. And and I went back and rewatched Heath Ozida. That dude's a freak, man. The size that he has and the agility and athleticism that he has to go along with it. It's, it's something that has a chance to be very special at offensive tackle for Oklahoma. So just top to bottom, I'm, I'm really excited about the class. Yeah, the five stars are huge. You add another five star potentially in Peyton Bowen, and that just is the icing on the cake to me. Like 
this class as it is currently composed looks really good. Oh, and we didn't even talk about Dan McCullough, another great addition, you know, a football, a football coach's kid, a football player's kid that is going to have an impact on this team. So it's just really, really well done by this whole coaching staff, putting this class together over the last year and, and holding on to it and maintaining it. Yeah. You had a couple of decommits. You had guys that flipped to different places, but you know, there were, there were some extenuating circumstances to some of that. You got Jackson Arnold early, and he has never wavered once from his commitment. Yet, I mean, Joshua Bates, another guy committed back in the summer of 2021, hasn't wavered once. And I think that's that's the strength of this class is its cohesiveness, its unity, and its desire to be Oklahoma Sooners. Hopefully a couple of these guys are ready to step in and be difference makers from day one. That would be, you know, as we start projecting to 2023 for this signing class, that, that would be huge for just Oklahoma as a program to have, you know, whether, you know, wide receivers, an easy spot to look at, just given kind of what that looks like at Oklahoma to say, okay, maybe Brown or Petaway can come right in and be legitimately one of the top four receivers on Oklahoma. I mean, if uh, Oklahoma's winning the Big 12, John, probably that's going to have to happen for one of those two guys, right? I mean, if we're projecting those types of results for Oklahoma next season – you're going to need some of those contributions. But like you talked about, man, I just think about the defensive backfield. I mean, some of these names they're bringing in, Vickers, Jacoby Johnson, uh, up and down, Josiah Wagner. I mean, it's like Day McCullough. That's blue chip, blue chip, blue chip, blue chip. So they are really, really bringing in some talented players. Went and got the one G- Juco ad in Dolby that that could be, you know, you start talking about just that, John, guys that could step in and be instant difference makers. Well, Juco routes, somebody that typically you kind of feel like sort of fits that that type of portfolio. And then the three stars that you mentioned or, or were discussing, there's eight of them. And wouldn't it be great if Oklahoma hits on half, right? If four of those are legit, uh, legit by the time their careers are done in Oklahoma, guys that we look back on and say, okay, absolutely, they, they made an impact on OU. I think Logan Howland, to me, is one of the most intriguing guys in this whole class, John, because he hasn't played necessarily a ton up front, right? So he's raw, he's 6'7", he's listed 280. He's obviously, I mean, they're going to, I would imagine, add 40 pounds to his frame by the time that he's done maybe more at the University of Oklahoma. So he's going to add some serious weight here in just being 6'7", and then getting that weight added on. That's a top 500 kid nationally right now that, could really develop into much more than the three-star that he is. Pachati, I've heard good things about him as a linebacker, Eric McCarty. We've talked at length uh, in the past about getting in-state kids that maybe have slipped through the cracks a little bit that want to be here, and Eric McCarty certainly fits that profile. And I didn't mention him. Probably he's going to play all over for Oklahoma, but it's just it's a great class, man. I like the mix of obviously the blue chip power up top, and then those uh, those eight three stars, man, I think there could be some sneaky, talented surprises in there for Oklahoma. Yeah, 100, 100% agree. It's a really intriguing class from top to bottom. The three stars in particular, you come in with as, as a three star, you're going to have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. And I think they've got some really intriguing tools to work with. You know, they're not just guys that had good production. You just look at what they put on tape and just some really intriguing tools. And so that's going to be really fun to see how this coaching staff develops that and, and kind of creates a, an opportunity or, or 
you know, have them earn opportunities. Cause I think there are going to be opportunities for, for some of these younger guys to play a little bit in 2023, especially the early signees. We'll, we'll see how that rolls out. Speaking of the wide receiver group, speaking of getting in-state kids, let's talk next uh, about missing out on a couple. But first, let me talk to you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and the easiest place to bet on all your favorite sports, from basketball to baseball, college football, the NFL, and Major League Baseball futures. You can get in on the action over at Bet Online. It's simple, it's easy to use, and they've got all the odds, the information. Whatever sport you're looking for, esports included, they got it for you over at Bet Online. Again, Bet Online is where the game starts. And thanks for again for listening to Locked On Sooners and making it your first listen every single day. Also, go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast with our guy Peter Pukowski, giving you all of the latest in top stories in under 20 minutes over at the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and over on YouTube. So, Josh, the question has come up because. It's looking like Micah Tease, who decommitted from Arkansas, is going to be heading to College Station to play for Texas A&M. Braylon Presley, he's going to Tulsa. Doesn't sound like Brennan Presley is going to be making the trip down to Norman. So what do we make of this as far as Oklahoma is concerned and their ability or inability? Because you go back even to Cole Adams uh, back last spring, committed to Alabama over Oklahoma. What do you kind of make of that for the Sooners in their, yeah, just the the way that they haven't necessarily been able to hit on some of the in-state kids by Joe being another guy? Yeah, well, each case in recruiting, I think, is a little bit different, right? Sure, we can make some overarching connections between uh, all of these, but the, like for by Job specifically, the previous staff didn't take by Job super seriously as a blue chip type prospect. And guess what? That burnt the current Oklahoma staff. It's as simple as that. By Job, when he came on campus by the previous staff, was sort of treated like, oh yeah, it's great to have you here, whatever, right? Was not treated like a priority or at least didn't feel that way when uh, he was he was on campus for his visit with the previous staff. So look, that's, that's tough to overcome. Similar things really with uh, Micah Tease like we talked about, right? So when you weren't treated as a priority or your idea of what your future looked like in college football doesn't match up with what the either previous staff or current staff's vision just positionally for you looks like when you want to play wide receiver and they say, eh, nah, you're a defensive back. And Oh, by the way, you still have that bad feeling, bad taste from the previous staff. It doesn't just magically go away, John, just because there's new people maybe occupying the the main office. I just, I think I made the the metaphor to you. It's yeah, the business can get a new owner, but if you hated the business and were treated poorly by the business, when you went and applied for the job, probably you're still going to have some bad feelings about said business. Right. So I think that applies both of in both of those cases, Braylon Presley or yeah. Yeah. Braylon Presley, not Brendan Presley, Braylon Presley to me, I, I don't know the ins and outs of how this ultimately played out, John, but we, we can deduce this right from the way that he left Oklahoma state. He wanted to be wants to be a Debo Samuel type player. That's the best comparison I can make for it because that's the first guy that comes to mind for me. When I think of running back that also has a bunch of wide receiver type skills and gets used in a variety of different ways. If Oklahoma's vision, and I'm not saying this is the case, I'm just saying 
that I could see this being part of the hangup here. And frankly, it looks like it might have been a hangup for a lot of Power 5 teams out there because Braylon Presley is winding up going to Tulsa, right, instead of ending up at a different uh, Power 5 stop. So if the idea for Braylon Presley was, I want to do all these different things, and then maybe these coaching staffs are like, yeah, we kind of see you as more of a slot-type receiver, and Braylon Presley has a different vision of that for himself, then you kind of maybe arrive at this destination where it's comfortable for Braylon Presley. It's, it's a great get for Tulsa, right? I mean, it's a huge get for Tulsa. So it makes sense for both parties for Braylon Presley to go to Tulsa and kind of get to have his cake and eat it too, where maybe that wasn't going to be the case at a place like Oklahoma. Yeah. And you're not going to get all of the in-state kids that you want to get just because you're Oklahoma. That's just the reality of the, of the, of the situation. Every state and every kind of premier school in that state deals with the same issue. Texas watches players go across the border to Louisiana, to Oklahoma. We're getting an offensive lineman from Colorado. It just, it's kind of the way of the world. You're not always going to land the best prospects just because you're the best school in that state. Do you want to? Absolutely. You don't want to see a guy like Charlie Kohler going from Oklahoma, going from Norman to Iowa State and then killing you, you know, once, you know, once a year. But that's just the reality of the situation. You know, there's a lot of different circumstances that can lead a kid to decide to go out of state. Maybe they just want to see something different. Maybe they are going to have a better opportunity at another school. Maybe they don't really want to play for Oklahoma. I mean, that could just be as simple as that. But there's a lot of different things that, that could be at play as far as that goes. Now, speaking of, go ahead, Josh. Well, and look, Oklahoma might not be as high on some of these kids as the recruiting ranking indicates out there i mean it just it is what it is we don't know the ins and outs of every last detail of a recruitment it can be as simple as their vision for how they wanted to play at oklahoma wasn't the same as the coaching staff's vision for said player it could be that the evaluation of said player from oklahoma standpoint doesn't match up what 247 sports or what rivals or what on three says there's a lot of factors at play i can tell you this though in relation to the recruiting the state of oklahoma thing if you want to come on here or, you know, message us and say anything along the lines of this staff doesn't value in-state kids, look no further than Eric McCarty, who we've been talking about in this episode and in a plenty, plenty of other ones. You don't think that Oklahoma doesn't value the players within its own, its own four walls here? Of course they do. If they didn't, they wouldn't have went and uh, signed Eric McCarty. They value the in-state kids. Now, Again, is that going to match up what Rivals or 247 Sports or On3 says in every single instance? No, and Eric McCarty's a good example of, well, Oklahoma sees something in Eric McCarty that maybe the others don't. And they made Jacoby Johnson a priority. Like, they are making really good Oklahoma players a priority. Again, you just kind of have to trust their evaluations on things. Like, if there's a guy that they feel like is going to be a fit for them, they're going to they're gonna go after them. They'll make them a priority. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some. That's just the reality. Bob Stoops didn't win every in-state recruiting battle. Mike Gundy doesn't win every in-state recruiting battle. They go elsewhere sometimes, and that's just, that's just how it goes. Let's turn the page. Let's talk about some positive news for the Oklahoma Sooners. Brandon Drum, OU Insider, 247 Sports, issued a crystal ball for Louisiana Tech wide receiver transfer Trey Harris to land with the Oklahoma Sooners today. So that's positive. We, we've been talking to how Oklahoma needs to add some wide receiver talent in the transfer portal, whether Marvin Mims goes to the NFL or not. You just need somebody that, that has the ability to take a little bit of pressure off of Mims. 
provides another element, uh, maybe a little bit different element in the receiving or in the passing game that helps Dylan Gabriel. So I, I like it. I'm, I'm excited about it. It's not as good as Dorian Singer, maybe not as good as Rara Thomas or Dante Cephas, but he's a, a guy that was a first team all conference player. Uh, he averaged 14 point something yards per reception over the last couple of years went from 40 receptions in 2021 as a redshirt freshman to 65 receptions as a sophomore, 935 yards and 10 touchdowns. So all really good stuff out of Trey Harris out of Louisiana tech. No doubt. And Oklahoma needed an immediate infusion of productivity at wide receiver. They just, they have, they have to have that. I, I don't know that we totally write off uh, JJ Hester or some of these other guys as being potentially still impact players at Oklahoma. But the bottom line is you've had one season in the books with a couple of the transfer portal ads that you brought in at wide receiver. And it didn't, uh, it didn't result in production from those said players. Right. So with that in mind, probably you're, you're ready to scoop up some more out of the transfer portal. And Trey Harris is a, a good get for Oklahoma six foot two. So nice, big bodied receiver, uh, 65 grabs, as you mentioned, nearly a thousand yards has uh, for two seasons, like you said, 14 per catch, a little bit north of that actually, and has had 14 touchdown grabs. So this is someone that has a ton of college productivity in his back pocket. I'm with you. I would have loved to have seen Singer come into Norman too. And I, I still, I mean, do we know what the writing on the wall is for either Cephas or Ra Ra Thomas yet? Are either of those two names still possibilities for the Sooners? It doesn't seem like it. It seems like those are going elsewhere, but you, you never know. It's still early in the transfer portal kind of days. Um, those guys don't have to make any commitments anytime soon. I haven't seen commitments, but it doesn't seem like those are really on the radar much recently. So it looks like it's going to be Trey Harris, which again, I like the addition, whether Marvin Mims is going to be here or not. I think he just brings a little bit different element to your game. You know, he's, he's not kind of the deep threat that, uh, that Marvin Mims is, but that that's okay. You need somebody that can win in the short to intermediate part of the field. Um, and that's what he does, but he has a really good average depth of target 10.8 for his career uh, or sorry for this past season. Uh, Average depth of target for his career is 11.8. So he will win, you know, past the sticks. And that's what I, that's what I want is I want somebody that they can feel comfortable to uh, throw the football, you know, down the field, um, and not not necessarily the deep ball, the the go route, but throw to the the five to fifteen yard range, you know. So you're not having to rely so much on the the bubble screen to, and yards after the catch and things like that. So I mean, he's an effective deep ball receiver, but does most of his works does most of his work in the like I said the ten to twenty yard range. That's really where he kind of made his money this past season. So I like that addition if they're able to pull that off and get that commitment from Trey Harris. Uh, again, you know, not not a power five guy, but a guy that is looking to make the jump to power five football. They got a couple power five guys in, at wide receiver in the transfer portal last year. They didn't really play much. So if this is a guy that you feel good can come in and contribute right away, that's great. Um, he's a former quarterback, played quarterback in high school. And I think that's an, also a really nice element to have. Not to come play quarterback, but just somebody who's going to understand offense um, to a little bit, maybe deeper level and is going to be more quarterback friendly for your quarterback. And then you want to throw some of those wide receiver passes, uh, those revert, you know, those throwbacks, things like that. You got a guy that's thrown the football before kind of like your Braden, your new Braden Willis, uh, someone you can use on the trick plays. So I, I like it. I think it's going to be a good ad if they do indeed add him. 
any more thoughts on Trey Harris before we, we finish up here, Josh? No, I mean, look, they needed to bring somebody at wide receiver in from the transfer portal. They've done that. And, you know, again, hopefully, you know, one of their transfer portal ads in either J.J. Hester or L.V. Bunkley Shelton can still be some kind of a difference maker before it's all said and done at Oklahoma. I'd like to uh, see the Sooners, if they can, land one of those other names at wide receiver that we've talked about. It doesn't necessarily sound like that's trending to be the case for either Thomas or Cephas. And, you know, there's a lot of time between now and us kicking off this 2023 football season. So there's some things that could still happen, right? I don't know if there's maybe somebody that's a little disgruntled in the college football playoff that's a wide receiver that would be looking for a new home as soon as those seasons officially end uh, end up in the college football playoff, right? There could be some names to look at there. I don't have that on any authority, just tossing it out there. And then post-spring, right? There should be some shuffling, not as much shuffling, but maybe a shuffle or two here or there. So all of which is to say, I don't think we're necessarily done seeing Oklahoma potentially try and pluck a wide receiver or two if they can. Indeed. Marvin Mims, Dylan Gabriel spoke after practice on uh, Tuesday, Monday. It's Tuesday now. They spoke after practice on, on Monday, but didn't really give much in the way of what their future holds with the Oklahoma Sooners. They didn't say whether they're coming back. They didn't say whether they're staying. They, they said the decision's kind of still out there. Haven't made a decision yet or it isn't the right time for them to make a decision. What do you make of that, Josh? They don't have to share that their mind is made up yet before the bowl game. I uh, do think that generally speaking, it's good news for Oklahoma, particularly with Marvin Mims, that I tend to now side on the fact that he is leaning toward coming back simply because, John, with the buzz coming into this past season, right? If Mims was going, then probably he's already opted out of this bowl game by now, right? So he said, if you missed it, and credit to Sooner Scoop and those guys for tossing the the video out there. It's an easy find if you just search Sooner Scoop and you can see what both Gabriel and Mims said uh, on on the video side over there with them on social media. But it uh, sounds like, I mean, Mims said as much that he got his NFL draft grade back, John, and he didn't really elaborate any further on whether or not, you know, said draft grade was enough to get him to toss his name into declaring for the draft or staying with Oklahoma. But I kind of err on the side of he probably didn't get enough of an, enough of an assurance that I want to put my name in the NFL draft because he hadn't opted out yet. Right. And he's playing in the bowl game. So and maybe Mims is just the kind of guy that not every player is opting out of a bowl game, even when they, you know, I'm conditioned to feel this way now, just based on the way college football plays out. And it wouldn't, you know, I, I'm talking myself the other direction here a little bit, John, but it wouldn't shock me if Mims was the kind of teammate that's like, hey, I want to play in the bowl game one final time with, uh, with my team. But just general sense, general terms here, I think it's a good sign for Oklahoma <laughs> that he's playing in the bowl game because I feel like he probably would have opted out if he wasn't coming back next season. Yeah. I kind of want to think the same thing too, but I feel like I went down this road last year with Caleb Williams and Mario Williams and I, did Mario. Yeah. Mario Williams played in the bowl game too. And then they went to USC. So I don't know. I'm, I'm still going to sit here and kind of wait it out. I, I don't feel confident one way or the other on it. 
I don't feel like their words indicated anything except we're going to have to wait until after December 28th when they play in the cheese it bowl. So hopefully we find out pretty quickly after that and, and not, I mean, we don't, who they don't care about us. They don't care what we think, but just more like, so that, you know, the coaching staff knows like, okay, how active do we need to be in the wide receiver transfer portal? Do we need to go find a, a starting quarterback? Um, you know, cause you're not going to have a lot of opportunity to find a starting quarterback in the transfer portal. If you don't have time to do that, if you have to sit around and wait. So, yeah, I think, and I think they will. I don't think that they'll sit and you know sit on their hands like Caleb Williams did last year and wait until just a day before National Signing Day to make his decision or make his announcement. I think that they'll they'll be act like Dylan Gabriel and Marvin Mims. It won't be long after the bowl game before we know what their future holds. I do think one thing in that regard with Oklahoma that's working to their advantage. I said as much with Plank on the radio side earlier this morning, but Dylan Gabriel's relationship, John, with Jeff Levy just makes me feel like he's not going to blindside this coaching staff. And I think that if he wasn't coming back to OU, I think you would have already known that by now. I think the writing's on the wall. He's coming back. He will be your starting quarterback next season. Because again, if he wasn't, John, because of the longstanding nature of that relationship between Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy, particularly right. Just specific to Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel. He might, and this is, this is what I said on the radio side. He might hate every single person in Norman and on campus, but he doesn't feel that way about Jeff Levy. And Oh, by the way, he didn't hate everybody in Norman. I'm just to illustrate a point here. His relationship with Jeff Levy dates so far back, John, to where to me, it would be shocking if he burnt Jeff Levy and Oklahoma by proxy and did not let him know what his intentions were, even right now today. So sure, is there a little bit of a decision-making process still taking place? Yeah, I think so, but you heard it from Mims himself. He's got his NFL draft grade back. I assume that Dylan Gabriel has gotten his NFL draft grade back. So I think Gabriel's back, and I think probably he and the staff pretty well know that already by now. Now, he hasn't shared that with us, and he hasn't been public about that, and I don't think that he needs to, but – if he wasn't coming back, John, don't you think with Nick Evers bolting that Oklahoma would have been active in some regard with a transfer portal quarterback? They haven't been. So that to me, just putting everything together, he's coming back next season for Oklahoma. Yeah, I think so too. And I think Mims is back as well, but I'm not really willing to bank to bank on it yet. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put all my, all my dollars on Oklahoma and in, in that returning. So We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We're just, uh, what, eight days now from the bowl game, so we're going to get actual football to talk about uh, next week, but we're going to be talking early signing period. Who signed on the first day of early signing period on Wednesday? Who's left to sign? What it might mean for the Oklahoma Sooners? Will we get some big announcements? We'll see how it all plays out. we got three days of early signing coming up. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We'll talk about it all here on the Locked On Sooners podcast. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all platforms. Go to YouTube, hit the subscribe button, and smash that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Hit a like as well, and then go leave a five-star review for us over on Apple to help other people find out about the show. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.